0: Welcome to the Ministry Collaborative Podcast,
1: a series of honest conversations about opportunities, challenges, and joy in ministry today. These episodes are inspired by interactions with ministry leaders from across the country as they explore possibilities, learn from broad perspectives, take risks, and cultivate candid discussions that generate disruptive creativity. Hi friends, this is Adam with the Ministry Collaborative, and today I have the privilege of Chatting with one of my newest friends, Mary Kay Duchesne from St. Paul, Minnesota. Mary Kay, thanks for being with us.
0: Hey, Adam, it's really great to be here.
1: Your bio at LeaderWise says that you're a coach and a consultant, a facilitator and teacher. And on top of that, you're an author. You've co written a book, Path to Belonging, about clergy loneliness with your colleague, Mark Sunby. And I want to talk a little bit more about that as well. But to start, could you give us a little snippet of where you are and how you got there, and just anything else you'd like people to know about your life in general.
0: Yeah. So I am an ELCA deacon, and I serve a specialized ministry called to LeaderWise. And at LeaderWise, I'm one of the three co-directors. We sort of have what we call three legs of the stool, and we each care for one of those. The first is therapy, and so we provide therapy for the general public, but also specifically for clergy. And several of our therapists are also pastors, but all of our therapists understand ministry and understand what it means to be a minister, which when I'm out working with clients, I hear a lot of my therapist doesn't understand what it means to be a pastor. Mm. And so I think that's one of the things that our therapists can offer to our clients is that they get what it means to be a pastor. So that's one leg of our stool. The second leg is assessment work, vocational and developmental assessment work. Again, we do that mostly for clergy, commonly for people entering ministry, so the candidacy process, but also for clergy who are in discernment about their vocation, or if their judicatory is wondering about their emotional and mental well being. They might come to our center and spend some time in our assessment department. I care for the third leg of our stool, which is leadership development, coaching, consulting, spiritual direction, reflective supervision, the consulting work we do with churches, and then all of the training programs that we lead, which are many. I think it's important for you to know that leader-wise, works mostly with mainline Protestant denominations in the U.S. and Canada. So whatever my observations are that we talk about today are about faith communities that fit into that demographic.
1: I I really appreciate you describing the three legs of LeaderWise. When I was first introduced to the work of LeaderWise, there does seem to be this very holistic approach. There's a lot of really great organizations out there that work especially with pastors and congregations, but most of the time they are one of those legs of the stool, which makes total sense that you do that sort of focus. And I really admire LeaderWise for finding the right balance of being able to do all three of those quite well in my estimation. As I've learned more, it's certainly proven to be the case. What strikes you about that balance? What are you all seeing and learning from your work Why is it so important, for example, to work with leaders at the same time as maybe helping their organizations to be healthier, to do assessments that make all of that work make more sense? I would love for you to share a little bit more about that work.
0: As you were talking, the thing that was running through my mind is the word resilience. Mm -hmm. And that's a core theme for us. Whether we're talking with an individual or an organization, it's how can we be resilient to whatever the world is throwing at us. And across our three legs of the stool, we all worry about resilience. We all worry about emotional and mental well-being. We all worry about the well-being of the system that our clients are in. And we refer back and forth. So somebody might be seeing a coach for individual coaching within the leadership work they do, And they might be referred to a therapist or a therapist might refer to some coaching. And so we talk in terms of care systems here, which is a helpful way, I think, to think about how we come alongside congregations and individual leaders.
1: That's a really helpful description. I think that listeners can see now why... I can certainly speak for myself on our ministry collaborative team why we're so intrigued by the work that you all do, because in some ways, the cohort work we do with pastors and lay leaders, the deep peer learning work touches all of those bases as well. And yet I have found myself from time to time referring people to you all actually to say, you know, it seems like you need to go a little bit deeper on this and you need someone who can do the therapeutic work, but also understand the unique type of system you're in. Because as you said earlier, sometimes people think, gosh, I have a great therapist, but they don't understand ministry at all. And so it's really valuable to have an experienced organization like LeaderWise and to have people like yourself who can speak to those challenges with great fluidity. And I think in some ways, you guys are really unique in that respect.
0: Yeah, thanks for saying that. We sort of consider ourselves one-stop shopping for all of (laughs) a congregation's needs. Now, having said that, there are some you know, things that Ministry Collaborative does that we don't do like the really immersive travel experiences you offer. And you offer a deeper cohort experience than what we do. And so I do think that our organizations are nicely dovetailed and nicely partnered.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. You all have distilled some of your experiences and knowledge in this book that you co-wrote with your colleague Mark Sunby called A Path to Belonging subtitled Overcoming Clergy Loneliness. Can you share a little bit about the impetus for that book and what you all learned from it?
0: Yeah, absolutely. We talk about this a lot these days, as you can imagine. So this all started well before the pandemic and is an example of how we as practitioners in different areas come together. We were at a staff meeting and so our staff meeting would have coaches and spiritual directors and therapists and consultants and facilitators all together and one of us asked the question what common themes are you seeing in your client work these days and the theme that came up so starkly was this deep sense of loneliness that all of our clients were experiencing and so my colleague Mark and I were very interested in that and just started doing some research And discovered that Cigna, actually, the insurance company, has done some research on loneliness. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it turns out that loneliness actually is as detrimental to health as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. And so this is why a health insurance company is interested in this. But beyond that, Vivek Murthy, who is now the Surgeon General, he wrote a book called Together, and in that book declared loneliness an epidemic in the United States. So Mark and I became more and more interested in this topic and we started doing our own research. We have a researcher on staff. And so we took the UCLA Loneliness Scale, which is the blessed loneliness survey, and added our own demographic type questions with the intent of discovering how clergy compared to the general population. And I think most people think that clergy have built in community because they're in a congregation. It just isn't true. Clergy scored quite higher in terms of levels of loneliness in one particular area in the UCLA Loneliness Scale. And that area is isolation. And so clergy, feel much more isolated than even the general population feels in their loneliness.
1: I'm wondering, too, Mary Kay, how does clergy loneliness compare with other leaders' experience of loneliness? So I can see why it would be higher than the general population, but I also wonder about other leaders and the loneliness they experience. I'm wondering if you all have any sense of that, not just from your book, but also from working with others.
0: Yeah. So our focus, of course, was on clergy. That was our intent. But anecdotally, from just speaking with other leaders, because I'm passionate about leadership, and I talk to other leaders whenever I can, leadership is a lonely place, Mm -hmm. right? We feel that we have no place to turn to for certain topics. And as a matter of fact, I was recently with somebody who was observing me with my co-directors and said, I don't have that kind of organizational relationship where I can turn to somebody who's my equal and shares my role and express all I need to express. Mm -hmm. And it's true. I have two colleagues that I get to share in all of the joys and the worries of leading this organization. And so I think, especially if you're a C-suite executive, who are you vulnerable with? What space can you sit in where you can be completely vulnerable and be who you are and be supported in that?
1: I wonder if it's especially difficult for a clergy because the church, at least at some level, is supposed to... Provide a sense of belonging. It holds up this promise of it, and then it's not there. Exactly. And I wonder if that's one of the most jarring pieces of this for clergy is that the c level executive, they're not in a context where they're promised sense of belonging, but maybe a large percentage of pastors frequently think to themselves, "I thought this community was supposed to be something for me that it clearly is not."
0: Correct. Some pastors want to uphold strict boundaries about their relationship with their congregation. And so they understand ministry to be a lonely place anyway and work to get their support somewhere else. I don't think the general public understands that. Mm -hmm. So that's an Mm -hmm. issue. Some pastors tread that carefully, but think about the pastor who feels called to go where the ministry is calling them and finds themselves in a culture that is unfamiliar with no friends and family around, and then upholding those boundaries carefully of not being in too deep a relationship with people in the congregation. Mm -hmm. And then if they're in a community of a certain size where everybody knows that they're the pastor, they probably aren't finding their community, their sense of belonging in that place either. This is an issue for clergy, and this is something that we talk a lot with our clients about at LeaderWise. But think about this. If loneliness is an epidemic in general in our society, and what we're lacking in our society are these places of connection and belonging, just think what churches could be, right, in terms of places of connection and belonging, and yet we aren't. And This is one of the things I think about day in and day out, Mm -hmm. is how could churches become a place of connection and belonging?
1: Yeah, you've nailed it. What does this suggest about our radically changing and emerging ecclesiology? I would imagine that not just our assumptions about professionalized clergy and the systems they inhabit and the boundaries that might be required of that, all of that seems like a big question mark to me because I wonder if the type of church that my children or grandchildren might inhabit will almost make those issues a category error, that they won't be having these same types of conversations. That It's not to say there won't be loneliness or there won't be challenges with belonging, but I do think that this is not just a matter of making pastors feel more connected. It's a matter of... Rethinking everything from the ground up about what it means to be part of this sort of community.
0: Absolutely. I agree 100%. And this is a conversation I want to have with every faith community I enter. And a lot of faith communities are not ready to have these conversations because it's going to require that we rethink what it means to be a faith community. And people don't want that. So many of the clients that I see, and granted, I go in and I do a lot of conflict work, so it might be a narrow band, so I can't say that all congregations feel this way, but a lot of faith communities just want to go back to the way it was and are not willing to rethink Christianity and accept the possibility that, for example, a spiritual but not religious gathering can still be Mm -hmm, mm faith-based, right? And it's when congregations, faith communities are willing to have that conversation that I think that we're possibly willing to reimagine what it means to be a religious faith community. On top of that, I think that somehow we've created a culture in Christian churches that says, We behave a certain way. We don't fight. We are only ever nice. And these are myths. I've been told Christians don't do that. Christians don't fight? Really? Christians don't have bad thoughts? These are myths that do a disservice to the church Mm. and to humanity in general. And I think by setting expectations like that, we're sending the message that we can't bring our whole selves to the church because who we are isn't acceptable. And I think we need to change that. And if we change that, then people will feel connected. People will feel like they belong. And then maybe other people will come in the door. Not that that's the goal, but it might be a side benefit.
1: So given all of that tectonic level change that not only (laughs) that we, uh, in a sense, need to go through, but You know, I'm already seeing so much of that, and I don't mean that in some sort of hyperbolic sense. I think that it really is clearly happening. I was just doing some reading this morning about not just statistics, but um, anecdotally, some amazing shifts that are taking place. I'm wondering, in the midst of all of this change we are enduring, in your experience, what does it look like for a pastor to get healthier. (laughs) What does it look like for a pastor to address this sense of isolation or a need for belonging? How have you seen someone heal and become empowered to do the ministry they feel called to do?
0: Yeah. Okay. That's a really good question. There are a lot of strategies. According to the research, and we believe the research holds up, the number one thing for clergy, for people of faith to do in terms of strategies to overcome loneliness and isolation is social support and number two is spiritual practice. So ministers have to create the social support systems that work for them And they need to engage in spiritual practice for their own sake, not for the sake of their congregations. Mm. So not in preparation for Sunday's sermon, but for their own sake. And that's all about reconnecting with the sense of being a beloved child of God and then get that social support.
1: And it sounds like what you're describing there is also something that simply needs to be modeled for a congregation. So this is not just about getting a pastor healthier and to be a stronger leader, but this is also, you're describing a means by which a pastor begins to model just healthier faithful behavior in general.
0: Yes. And as a matter of fact, as you talk about modeling, the research shows that loneliness is contagious. Hmm. So if I'm lonely You, Adam, are 52% more likely to feel lonely in the next two years just because you're in my network. Hmm. So modeling getting social support is good because not only does it show your congregation that this is a way to feel connected, but you're also guarding against that contagion that can happen with loneliness And, you know, as I think about social support, I think about the cohort work that Ministry Collaborative does. And that's an example of social support. It can be in the midst or in the service of the leadership work and the leadership development work we do, as long as, and I'm sure this is true with your cohorts, there's a deep connection built within that group of people. Mm -hmm. And when that deep connection is there, then I as a leader know who to turn to whenever I'm feeling lonely or isolated or whatever.
1: Last question. What are you hopeful about?
0: Ah, yes. I'm glad you asked that question because I am really hopeful about a couple of things. And one of the things I'm hopeful about is that churches can be this center for connection and healing in society. And as you say, you're seeing some of those things happen. So I think this redesign of church, whatever it's going to look like in 20, 25 years, 50 years, I'm hopeful that churches can be the center of this deep connection. I also think that churches could be examples of radical inclusivity and acceptance. Mm -hmm. It's all related. And if those things are true that has to change society.
1: Mary Kay, thanks so much for this conversation. It's given me a lot to think about and to be hopeful about.
0: Yeah, thank you, Adam, for inviting me and I've loved it. And I feel like we could be talking for another couple hours about these things that we're so passionate about. Thank you for listening to the Ministry Collaborative Podcast.
1: A project of the Macedonian Ministry Foundation. The Ministry Collaborative nurtures a national network of pastors and congregations committed to faithful, creative, and courageous engagement in their communities.
0: Our producer is Marthane
1: Sanders. To find out more about our work of cultivating leadership that makes a difference in congregations and communities, visit our website at www.ministrycollaborative.org.